Grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here today. I want to welcome you to our services. If you have a Bible, you might be opening it to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're in a series where we're looking at the Gospel of John. We're doing this for several reasons. just a good thing to do. But also, uh, we're going to have an event in January where our young people are going to be studying the Gospel of John. And so we want to encourage them in that, uh, that venture. Remember, at the end of this month, we have a trunk or treat. You know, one of the things that God calls us to do as a church is to bless young people, to welcome young people. And that's an opportunity to do that. If you have any questions or, you know, trying to figure out what to do, speak to, to Laura or myself. We, we need lots of volunteers. We've had some great years. Where we've had large crowds here. We want to, want to do that again. We want to welcome children from the community. You know, as we think about the Gospels and we think about John, there's a reason why John has been set apart from the other Gospels. It is different. The story is not different. It's an account of the life of Jesus just like the other three. What is different is, is how the life of Jesus is presented. How we read and understand this Gospel is different than how we might read and understand the others. It is unique, and and, and unique is not bad. It has a purpose. It it resonates with its intended audience, and and this is great. This is one reason why we have four accounts of the life of Jesus. We are all different people, and we need to hear different things. We've already um, noticed how John begins with this poem, but this is not the only difference. You know, there's a, a right brain and left brain distinction, uh, which is evident if you compare uh, the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew. And so all people, all of us, we're either right brain people or left brain people. We all lean one way or the other. We are either logically and or mechanically inclined or we are more musically and or artistically inclined. Well, the Gospel of Matthew is logically and methodically laid out. It is beautiful in the sense that it is so well organized. And the Gospel of Matthew appeals to left-brain people. The Gospel of John appeals to right-brain people. It utilizes poetry and images to present the story of Jesus. Now, both are needed. Both are needed because people are different. Uh, Think about this. Think about how many movies you've seen where the, the, the kind of the first scene of the movie, it begins with an image and you're looking at something. And as you're looking at that image, there's a narrator who's talking in the background. And they're setting the stage for what is to come. They're introducing you to the background information that you need to know before you enter into this story. What do we have in the Gospel of John? We have a prologue. We have a a, a poem that is being delivered by a narrator. And in the middle of this poem, we are given an image. And the image disrupts the poem. The poem is giving us things to think about, sometimes deep things to think about. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. The image is what we are to see. 
And what is this first image? We find it in verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came, bear, came to bear witness about the light. And so the, the, the image disrupts the poem here, and it disrupts the poem again towards the end. Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. So the, the, the image that we have in John chapter 1 is a witness. And the witness is John the baptizer. This is not the same John who is writing. There's lots of Johns. We have to get them all straightened out. It's not the one who's writing. It's, uh, the, 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 it's not the beloved disciple. It's the one who comes to prepare the way. And I know we just finished a series on identity, but it's amazing how much this passage is about just that. And John is certain about his identity. He, he knows who he is. He knows who he is not. And he knows what he needs to do. And so when we have identity issues, we need to remember uh, these three things. Who am I? Who am I not? And what am I to do? And, and just look at John here. Who is this man? Well, he tells us right off the bat. He, said, he, he is a witness. What does this mean? Is, is witnessing something that he just kind of does on the side? Is it a hobby of his? No, it's everything to him. He is fully committed. He's, he's going to witness no matter what. He's going to do it even if it lands him in jail. He's going to do it even if it means death. He is a witness through and through. It's who he is. And so because John knows who he is, he's also fully aware of who he is not. He knows that he is not Jesus. Now, how often do people get themselves in trouble because they're trying to be someone who they are not? Some people want to be God when they are not. Some people want to be the boss when they are not. And so understanding who we are not is just as important as understanding who we are. And John understood both of these. It says in verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Augustine had this to say about John 1 verse 8. He said, John is truthful. Christ is truth. And I think this is really helpful because it explains there is a difference between the two. Our role is to be truthful. Our role is to bear witness to the light. We are not the truth. We are not the light. We look to him. We point others to him. But we are not him. John knows who he is, he knows who he is not, and he knows what he has to do. Verse 8, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. He cries out, he bears witness, he has a mission. And he's not going to be distracted from that mission. Too often, 
people face an identity crisis because their, their lives lack purpose. They do not know what to do. They have no calling. Well, God resolves all of these issues for us. He tells us who we are. He tells us or reminds us of who we are not. And he gives us a calling. And so we have a a mission to point people to Jesus and to continue the ministry of Jesus. That's what we're to do. If we ever get confused, we just go back to that. Now, John the Baptist wants to make sure there's, there's no confusion. So he offers this, this interesting comment. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, that's, that's kind of a head scratcher there. That's, that's something you have to chew on a little bit. You might need to read it again. John shows up before Jesus. John comes to prepare the way. But just because he comes first does not mean he's greater. Because he's not. Why? Well, he says that that Jesus was before him. What? What do you mean? Well, I think most of us know what he means. John the Baptist is repeating what John, the writer of the gospel, has already told us in chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is eternal. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus is God. And he was instrumental in creation. And so don't get any ideas because John the Baptist shows up first. Because Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than Moses, the lawgiver. Jesus is greater than than King David because Jesus came before them all. John the Baptist continues professing who he is not in verses 20 and 21. He first says, I am not the Christ. And then he follows it up with, I am not, when asked uh, whether or not he's Elijah. And again, that's this little short sentence that might seem, well, that's not very significant. But again, you have to pay attention to the words that are used in this gospel. They're all important. And remember that in the Gospel of John, there are seven, what? There are seven I am statements. Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life and I am the light of the world. And and the interesting thing about these statements is this phrase, I am. Because it's a reference to the name of God in Exodus chapter 3. And Jesus is giving us clues here about his identity. He is God. And what's fascinating, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist is doing the opposite here. He's saying, I am not God. I am not Jesus. I am a witness and nothing more. He was... John, he was preparing the way. Well, how how was he preparing the way? We're told in verse 31, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. So John was baptizing. That's how he gets his name. John the, the baptizer. We learn in the other gospels that it was a Baptism unto repentance. 
And so how do you prepare for the coming Messiah? How do you prepare to get people ready for a God whose ways are not their ways? Well, you get them to turn around. You get them to change direction. It's the only way. So when Jesus comes, so many people miss who he is even though they are looking for him. Think about that for just a minute. They're looking for the Messiah. That's what they're doing. And they miss him. We're we're, we're told about this in verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. People were looking for the Messiah, and they could not recognize him, even though sometimes he was standing right in front of them. How could this be? They were looking for the wrong thing. They were blinded to who Jesus truly was. They needed to repent. They needed to change what they were looking for. They needed to get rid of all the all these influence that kept them from seeing the Messiah. And John comes and he helps them. He he, he prepares the way. Now, we face the same problems today. Jesus has come. But then Jesus gets viewed through these different lenses. And we make Jesus out to be whoever we want him to be. And we pick out the sayings of his that we like, and we latch on to those, and we ignore the others. And so Jesus is either liberal or he's conservative, depending on who you talk to. Or Jesus is very legalistic and he's into the law. Or Jesus is all about love and no rules at all. Well, if Jesus is just like us, then we're not following Jesus. If Jesus agrees with everything that I agree with, then I'm not following Jesus. Because you see, Jesus challenged every person that he encountered. And he forced them to to rethink who they were. He forced them to rethink what they believed. He made them rethink their allegiances. And if Jesus is not doing that for us, then, then, then we're not following the Jesus of the Bible. Because Jesus will cause us to think differently and live differently. And that is great because that's exactly what we need. We don't need our opinions and our beliefs. We don't need our worldly allegiances because none of that is going to save us. We need Jesus. And we need to see him for who he truly is. And John the Baptist tells us who he truly is in verse 29. He says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is not a military leader or political leader. Jesus has not come to destroy our enemies or to to punish people we do not like. Jesus is our Savior, and that is exactly what we need. We need someone to, to save us from the principalities and powers that are at work in this world. We need someone to conquer Satan and save us from his evil ways. We need someone to overcome death 
and save us from its finality. We need someone to save us from our sins and transgressions. We need someone to save us from ourselves. And Jesus is our Savior. But what this means is we must acknowledge him as Savior. And this is difficult for some. Because we want to believe that we can save ourselves. We want to believe that, you know, I, I just, I don't need anyone's help. But again, we must remember who we are and who we are not. We are human beings. We are frail and sinful beings. We are not God. And our only hope for salvation is to acknowledge our need for a Savior. It is to confess that Jesus is Lord and I am not. Jesus comes to take away our sins. This does not mean that that he forgives us and we just keep on being who we were. We keep on doing what we did. It means he forgives us and we become someone new. Why? So we don't keep on sinning and, 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 and choosing those wrong paths that we did before. We see differently. We think differently. We live differently. We become like Jesus. And this is part of our salvation. To become like him. John comes to prepare the way for Jesus because people were not prepared. And people have not changed. People were not ready when John came. When Jesus showed up, they had too many things that were blinding them to truth and to what really matters. Their wealth and their desire for possession stood in their way. Their political allegiances and longing for power stood in their way. Their hatred for others and thirst for revenge stood in their way. Their, their pride and their wanting to be right stood in their way. And John came preaching a message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Messiah. And so my question today for for all of us here, for myself, is what is standing in our way? What Jesus are we following? Is it the one that's found in the Gospel of John, the the living Christ? Or is it one that we've picked up from the culture? One who looks exactly like us. Because there's only one Jesus that offers salvation. There's only one Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do we know him? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we ask you to open our eyes and open our hearts so that we may see Jesus for who he truly is. Father, help us to block out the noise. Help us to block out the influences. Help us to block out all the many powers and principalities in this world that are vying for our allegiance so that we can look to Jesus and we can follow him and that our lives can change 
and that we can be like your son, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sins. We're so grateful for his coming to this earth and for his sacrifice on the cross. We pray this in his name. Amen. Receive this blessing from the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If you're here this morning and you need to respond to the gospel, you need to repent, you need to change direction, change your life, and begin following the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We're here to help you this morning, or if we can pray for you or do anything for you, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing?